0: What's up everybody, this is Mark Tremonti and you're listening to Jay Scott of Rocks.
1: hook rocks i'm your host jay scott thanks
0: for tuning in once again i appreciate it always a pleasure to have you listen thank you very much for the uh support and uh the reviews if you haven't done so and you like what you're hearing please give us a shout out or a review on any platform that you do listen to um once again we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, a great network of music-related podcasts. We've got something for everyone, all music genres, all types of music interest on the platform. I always mention my friends whenever I start off, like Martin Popoff, the rock historian, Mistress Carrie, the legendary DJ out in Boston, Carmen Apeace and Vinnie Apice on the Hanging and Banging podcast, Tom and Zeus on the number one rated KISS podcast, shout out Loudcast, as well as Decibel Geek. Chris and Aaron do a great job on Decibel Geek and Mac on the Ugly American Werewolf in London podcast overseas. He's the United States transplant carrying the rock and roll flag over in the U.K., so uh, go check out all of those podcasts. Don't forget to follow Pantheon wherever you do your social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And don't forget to follow The Hook Rocks wherever you do podcasts. And don't forget to check out our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter page. to search up The Hook Rocks. We're on every platform. So set your app to automatic download so you get the latest episode right to your phone. We've had some great episodes lately. We just did a... Collaborative episode with Kurnika and Nick Reese, Nick Reese from Joyous Wolf and Kurnika Mancini from Thundermother. That was a great episode. Some other great new music spotlights include Stone Broken, Band Inc, Fast Eddie, and Native Sons. So check them out. And some great interviews lately, like with Joe Satriani, Mark Tremonti, and Scott Gorham from Thin Lizzy. And don't forget to check out our live album review of Kiss Alive. And we welcome back Rob at Skylab Tapes talking how to set your house up with good acoustics with your stereo system. So enjoy that episode as well. We've got a great new music spotlight lined up for you today. I'd like to welcome in Terry and Tim from the band Deep Fall. What's going on, guys? How are you?
2: Hey, how are you, man? Thanks for having us. Doing well.
0: Well, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Another great band to showcase here on the new music spotlight. Um, It's really kind of what we're all about. So thank you very much for joining us. We're going to get into the band and we're going to get into what you guys are about. But first, we always ask the same first question we do to every first-time guest, and that is kind of what we're all about here. Just like every rock song has a hook that pulls you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or performance, that hook them on rock and roll. What was it for you?
2: Well, for me, it was Michael Jackson when I was five years old. So the
0: honesty.
2: <laughs> my, my mom told me when I saw Michael Jackson on TV, I like stopped in my tracks and started emulating and doing all that. And I was a huge Michael Jackson fan as a kid. So that's my answer. Tim, what you got? <laughs> you know,
3: I mean, the, my oldest rock and roll memories these days is some Bruce Springsteen way back in the day. Honestly, I remember my parents jamming to that and, and thinking this is some good stuff.
0: Where'd it go from there? You know, for you guys, I mean, obviously Michael Jackson, Bruce Springsteen were big, huge presences in the eighties. Um, you know, with big albums like thriller and born in the USA, but when did the rock, when did the hard rock, you know, moment come for you guys?
2: Well, for me, it was probably, I guess, uh, middle school, high school. Um, I was a huge, huge Lenny Kravitz fan when I was in eighth grade. Um, I uh, got made fun of for it. Actually, it was kind of funny. <laughs> and then, um, in high school, like ninth, 10th grade, started getting into Metallica because I was able to go to buddies' houses that were allowed to listen to that kind of music. I was grew up in a kind of a strict household. So, um, I wasn't able to listen to all that stuff, but as I started going to friends' house and hearing those kind of records, I ended up accumulating some Metallica, Pink. It was Metallica, Pink Floyd, The Doors. I was really into that in middle school, high school, some Lenny. I like Stevie Wonder a lot. I I like a lot of different things, but rock middle school, high school, eighth, ninth grade, Metallica, Pink Floyd were my first two big ones.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of the same story for me. I was, you know, we were, we were the opposite of you, Terry. We were more uh, out in the wild doing whatever we wanted in the garage all the time. And uh, uh, a couple of (laughs) us had guitars and we'd always at least think we were playing some Metallica. It's probably just, random noise that was actually coming out but we at least gave it a shot as
0: far as your journey and as it continued when was the moment that you guys wanted to get on stage was there a performance you know was there a band that you wanted to you know emulate what you saw on stage at a concert or something similar to that
2: uh, for me, it was again, uh, just watching entertainers growing up. Like when there was music on TV, it was neat. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so like the olden days that you watched the Grammys, they had live performers, but I remember seeing Michael Jackson on stage at the Grammys and I was just like, holy cow, I want to be up there someday. That's definitely, it's, uh, I miss that stuff. You know, where's live music, wow. uh, on TV now it's pretty rare. <laughs> it's different. It Unfortunately, <laughs> Yeah. How how did the band start for you guys? Like, How did you guys begin your collaboration? How did you guys come together? So for me, I just joined. um, It was about October-ish last year. Deep Fall had a whole previous singer and a whole previous thing they were doing before me. So Tim would have to kind of fill in the details previously. I know they toured with Alter Bridge and they released an EP. um, And they did some touring and then obviously with covid um, and then other things happened and, you know, people changed and did, had to go their different ways. And I ended up joining the uh, October-ish and then we went and recorded our EP, um, which will be Revolution, we self-titled. And then and we will be releasing that stuff hopefully uh, in the end of summer here, the rest of it.
3: So the very beginnings of deep fall goes back to a bunch of guys pretending to be band practice, but just sitting around in the garage drinking all night um Hell yeah and that goes that goes back close to a close to a decade and then uh there was different versions different people um and then uh back in about 2016 2017 started trying to get a little more serious about it and uh put some stuff down in the studio and uh just in the last couple of years 2019 was when first touring started um did the short run with Texas Hippie and Hell Yeah nonpoint uh, and a little stint with Seven Dust. And then uh, 2020, uh, we hit the road with Alterbridge in February and had a bunch of other stuff planned. And, of course, COVID happened and there was no more anything. And um, as that started to lift and we started getting things going again, that's when uh, we, we got Terry on board here and started going at it again.
0: Now, did you guys record any music during those early parts or you know with the song revolution is that your first official release
3: there's definitely some older music out there um from from before this this era um we had uh i think four or five different singles that were released out there
1: and this
0: new song revolution that is out now fantastic song what was the inspiration how was the collaborative process with this with this music with this song
2: uh, well, me and a uh, To um, Tim Asimforts are our uh, guitar player. So, kind of, a song started with just like a, a little riff, um, and then um, I'm I'm kind of uh, I'm I'm an overthinker, <laughs> so I I uh, heard this riff and I started going off on technology and started writing some some parts. But it's just um, it's really based about that stuff. It's about technology and where it's going, and and when when do we start asking questions? Like, uh, there's probably a point where there's two much of it. <laughs> so that's kind of what that song's about. Clearly. Oh okay. <laughs> game.
3: Yeah. Clearly too dependent on it right now.
2: Very,
0: very dependent. But as far as your writing goes and and putting them putting songs together,
2: what is that process for you guys? Well with technology <laughs> again um it's it's sending parts now because it's everything is it's not like getting in a room with your buddies like it used to be, you know. Um, nowadays it seems like it's easier to send files and songs and kind of write and then add to them and then get to the point where you want to really work them up. You'll have somebody and who we'll all get together and do it that way. That's kind of what we've done. Um, this, just for me, it's been a little bit kind of like that because when I first started this, we already had scheduled studio time. So there was kind of a time crunch. So that was um, how we did that. But I think it's kind of depends on how you want to approach it too. But that's that. That was that process for the first EP, but I think there'll be more in-room jamming for the second one, hopefully. But there'll still be the file sharing and things like that too. It's kind of you know, if you have one that goes, you'll write it pretty quick usually. So,
0: how different is it for you guys in terms of the dynamic of of writing face to face rather than sharing things remotely?
3: Coming from the technology side, it's 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 kind of normal for me, um, but I know for for most everybody else, it's like. You know, songs used to come from two hour random sessions of just playing things until something sounded cool to someone. And then nowadays it's like we're just trying to like, all right, well, here's a skeleton. Can we work with this? Can you build on this or not? And, and it's just like Terry was saying, a lot of the back and forth stuff.
0: How did you guys or what influenced you to actually start writing music, whether it's lyrics, whether it's songs? I mean, there is that evolution of the artist that I speak about a lot. It's that first moment that grabbed you with music. It's that first moment that grabbed you with rock and roll, wanting to be on stage, wanting to be in a band. But then there comes a point where you want to write. Did a song inspire you guys? Or was there a moment where, hey, instead of just playing tunes that I know, I want to write a riff that comes from me or a lyric that comes from me?
3: So for me, um, it goes back to, to late 90s. Uh, actually, a buddy of mine uh, from high school, ended up at his place one day and, uh, you know, learned that his dad was a keyboardist on the road with Eddie money back in the late Mm eighties. And, uh, he had a home studio going and just started, you know, messing around there and jamming with him and and listening to a lot of his original stuff. And that's kind of where my inspiration started to, to want to work on my own stuff as well.
2: Yeah. For me, um, I was always, my mom got me into like voice lessons and I did plays when I was younger and things like that. My grandma played the organ. So I was always fascinated by sounds. So, um, for me, I remember hearing again, like bands like Pink Floyd where you hear sounds never heard before when you're young, they really stick out. And usually those kind of things inspire me to write lyrics. Um, it's, um, but that's kind of where it all started to write songs and starting to hear all these cool things that you can kind of make a puzzle out of, you know? And so it was just hearing my grandmother and I started writing songs. My mom told me when I was like middle school, so, you know, cause you're in plays and you're starting to be creative with drama class and all those things you gotta. So I started doing that stuff about that time. You mentioned the song
0: revolution, which is the first single that you guys have put out for this EP about the reliance on technology, technology in the current day that we live in. It's an observation that you wrote about is that where you primarily get your your inspiration for lyrics
2: um sometimes um we have a another song that's called uh, phantom which i I wrote about uh, passing away and overlooking my family as I was gone and just depends man songs can come from all sorts of different things you know just depends but the technology thing's been um frustrating i'm i'm a huge i like to read and um, i Followed Elon Musk and the Joe Rogan stuff and AI and Vance and Tim's a huge computer dude. So, you know, you just kind of see the writing on the wall with things and where they're going. And you know, it's just things that's been talked about a lot. And that song, you know, everybody's—you can't really go anywhere without having a phone on you, or it's just ridiculous. You know, you can't eat with people anymore. You can't do anything without a phone being present. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's almost like it's a blessing and a curse at the same time, you know, it gives Absolutely. you access to yeah. information, you know, on the spot, you know, within seconds, but it also takes away your attention from things that are important and in the interaction, the social interaction as well, you know, being face-to-face with somebody, having dinner, talking with them, you know, without looking down at your phone, it's, it's become like we're a slave to the technology.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I don't think that probably ends well in 25, 35 years. People don't want to talk to one another anymore. It's probably not good. Well, what's that that one Disney Pixar movie? WALL-E? Yeah, that's a good movie.
0: Well, that's not a movie. That's a documentary. That's a documentary. Of what we're becoming, you know?
2: (laughs) For real. It's true. when, (laughs) When you
0: think of, like, people becoming, you know overweight because of less activity, because they're on their phones and technology. They're not talking to anybody. They're looking at a screen. I mean, it's, it's, it's happening right before us.
2: That'd be, that's me.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. No, it's a lot of us. It's <laughs> a lot of us. Trust me. Yeah.
0: It's just, um, you know, it's an amazing, like with anything, right. You know, you, you get a taste of something you want more and, yeah. you know, technology makes it so easy for certain things, but yeah, I was Facebook, for instance, no one goes to high school reunions anymore because everybody knows what's going on with each other. We don't need to go anymore because we see everybody post about what's happening in their lives. There's no, there's those conversations don't happen anymore.
2: Yeah, I so know you're right. Yeah, and, and there's this, a lot of things. And, well, and and now you know too much about people. I don't need to know what you're eating for lunch and dinner. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, <laughs> the people that take the pictures of all their food of every meal. I have somebody that does that. I'm like, dude. Take it easy. I, <laughs> you know, I, I only people don't need to know that. We don't need I, to know all of it. <laughs> I only
0: take. I don't post it on. I don't post it on social media. But I do take pictures of of something I eat if it's really damn good.
2: Right, or if it's, it's like, a memory, like if I'm someplace cool, like I've never been before, I might yeah. do that. Like, oh, it's yeah. a memory of yeah. shit I'll never eat again. <laughs> you know <what> I
0: mean? <laughs> is it important for you guys to to play and write about? social issues and current topics that are happening or observations of, of where you feel society is going?
2: I do. I don't know. Tim, you want to take this one? Or well, like I mean,
3: you're, you're the primary lyricist here, so I figured I'd leave it to you.
2: I think there's a responsibility in, in music to do some of that stuff. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. I like to write about stuff like that matters, you know. Um, I think it's important. I think it's important to write in a way where people can kind of interpret it how they want, but putting stuff out there for people who think about. It, I think it's important. I like it. If there's stuff going on in the world that we shouldn't be shy from it. We should discuss it because that's how things get resolved. It's conversations like this. Nobody talks. Nothing good's going to come of this. So,
0: as far as matching the music with the lyrics, what usually comes first? The music, the lyrics? Is it a mix?
2: It's a mix it's a for mix. sure. Yeah. For me,
3: it's a mix for sure. But but definitely coming from the music side, like like there are certain elements of things that Terry will be speaking about where we'll be like, OK, like like we need to we need to catch this vibe. We need we need to get in this mood um, and try and try and paint the picture of the music behind to, to match what the lyrics are. And like Terry said, other times he comes at us with a with a killer hook and melody and we got to try and figure out how to how to get music behind it that works.
0: Is that difficult sometimes for you or is it just the work in progress and working it out? Like you're working out a song.
3: I think, I think it it goes both ways really. Um, But, but definitely for the most part, it's, it's been trying to, uh, it it bounces back and forth constantly. You know, the, the lyrics change a little and then we got to adjust the music a little and and it's just, it's a, it's uphill all the way until it finally comes together. And sometimes those
2: are their songs that you hate because you can't <laughs> figure them out. And I had one of those that's on the EP. I smited this song. I did not like it at all. <laughs> it ended up being one of my favorites at the end, and that's sometimes weird how it works. But, you know, sometimes songs can be frustrating. You know, it's like a, something you can't figure out, and sometimes you have to set them aside for a while and come back to it, you know? Like sometimes my wife and I get in an argument, and I got to get away from her for a while. You know what I mean? Come back to her. She's nicer. So I look, it's like that with a song. <laughs> <laughs> and, and as far as writing that
0: music as far as writing songs and staying connected to it right you, you mentioned the pandemic where you kind of you know kind of went your separate ways for a bit because that's what people did and come back you know if there's any if there was music that was recorded before you know how do you stay in front of it how do you stay connected to that music
3: uh, in in that instance, we actually didn't we ended up basically starting over uh, in in late september of, of uh, twenty one and then took those to the to the studio in uh, in november of twenty one so we we started from scratch really the end of August, um early September. We pretty much started started from scratch with this eP. Yeah.
0: And then when you guys did come back and scrapping everything and starting over, What differences did you feel had taken over in the band?
3: Well, I mean, major difference at that point was this was actually our first run with Terry. Um, So, you know, we had had a new singer and a a whole new style of uh, music ended up developing out of that in a way.
0: And coming together and creating music, you know, with everything that's happened in the world over the last few years, for you guys, even though you were in maybe separate entities and making music, how how different did you feel? Did, did you feel that these circumstances that have become our reality changed the tone of your music, changed the direction of your music?
2: I don't I don't. I think there's, I, don't, I think changed a little bit of everything forever, personally. Um, I don't know. I think that, pre all of the COVID stuff and post we live in a different world really. You know what I mean? So I think the writing process, like all of that stuff, isn't going to change, but the content is forever probably to a degree. You know what I mean? A little bit. I think there's going to be uh you can hear the songs that have been coming out now, like the shine down song that just came out, the three days grace tune that just came out and you know, all those are COVID songs really. So you can kind of see that stuff um, with some of this like zombified is another one that I heard that kind of speaks to that. You know, we can put a revolution in there now. Um, just that type of song that's, you know, it's um, it's technology. It's the whole pandemic stuff. It's how people feel about the world we live in now compared to pre-COVID. You know, there's a lot of changes and weird stuff. We're like, oh, this is a thing. You can do this. This can happen. You know, I know I did. So, like, all of our shipping can just shut down in, like, <laughs> a year and you can't get anything. Like, holy crap. It makes you, it makes you reevaluate things. How about that? <laughs> It
0: does, you know, and, and I've heard that from from a lot of musicians who recorded music. Some some musicians and some artists took that moment in time and just went into a bubble and just mm-hmm. didn't watch the news. Just kind of went in their safe zone with with their music, right? And some of that stuff may not be um COVID related or anything because they just sure. wanted to escape at all. However, there are some artists that really kind of dove deep and and dug in with what was happening, whether it was COVID, whether it was, you know, the toxic election process we went through, whether it was the protests, whatever it was, um, it was affected. They they were affected and um, it affected the tone of their music. You know, it affected maybe a a sharper, darker tone in the melodies, um, in the lyrics. So it's always interesting to see how people look at that diary entry of time with their music, with their lyrics, absolutely. Tim, how did you feel about that?
3: <laughs> I mean, to me, I've uh, I've always sort of connected more with that style of music—the darker tones, the the minor moods and whatnot—is has always been sort of my thing. And so, uh, I, I, I guess I've, I felt like uh, coming home a little bit. It's it's almost gotten a little easier for me to connect with some of the stuff we're working with.
0: When did you guys know that you were ready to record the CP, you know, with these songs? Were they, you know, did you perform a lot of them? Were they just, you know, writing and just going
3: back and forth? No, we did this one backwards. Um, The opportunity presented itself um, through uh, some some connections we made when we were out on the road with uh, Alter Bridge. And um, ended up getting the studio time booked with Elvis before the songs were written. So yeah. when we when we started this process in in September, we we had a date um, that we needed to have material ready to get down there.
2: My infamous Tim Kim, Tim King phone call was, "Hey Terry, we got a month and a half. I need you to write like a whole bunch of songs, <laughs> something like that." I was like, "All right, man." <laughs> so Give that's what shot. we did.
0: <laughs> How was that pressure? I mean, I, I I've talked to. I think it was Joe Satriani in his interview with his last album said how more relaxed he was than ever before because he didn't have a deadline on an album. How was it to have a deadline? How was that pressure for you guys to, to make this music?
3: Personally, I liked it. I I mean, I like, I like, you know, having a target to hit and, and a known, next step in the process to know that we're moving forward and and getting things done versus just kind of sitting back, waiting, waiting for it to happen and, and seeing when we're ready to move forward. Um, so to me, I, I kind of liked having that, you know, back against the wall, like, let's get it figured out. And, you know, we obviously we wanted to put as much focus on making sure that we were, uh, you know, getting getting quality material together and, and everything was still coming from the heart. and We're not just trying to, Factory crunch out some music just to say we did it. Um, but I, I, I like having the date and and something to to lean towards.
0: And as far as what next, you got the new song coming out. When is the EP? When is that going to be released? What's the next song that you guys are gonna gonna we, release? We
3: don't have don't have exact dates yet. Um, we I mean the full EP is done. I've got the vinyl sitting at home. Um, We're kind of just watching the way things are moving right now, working with the radio team as far as, uh, you know, the trajectory of revolution in radio right now and just kind of keeping an eye on it, uh, as far as figuring out when to pull the trigger on the next single. And we're, we're, we're still actually juggling on exactly which single that'll be too. But, uh, this summer, most likely that's, that's about the best we can give right now. What's that like for you guys sitting
0: on this? Knowing that you have music that you're proud of that you want people to hear, and just kind
2: of waiting—torture, torture. torture. Yeah, I mean that's what exactly. I use as a word because it's just like, you know, when you write them and they're like children's songs, and you've, you know, you've heard them and you're ready, you still got them, and you you can't tell anybody. You can't, you know, you just gotta sit there like, you know, it's, it can be a frustrating thing, but it's cool. You know, it's also cool at the same time. But yeah.
0: Does it help you guys in that, you know, you know what you have, you're confident what you have and, and, you know, rather than just throwing it out there and hope people listen, you can kind of pick the right time or you can line up things, whether it's a tour with somebody, does that help the situation?
3: For me, it does. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're dealing with guidance from some guys that have been doing this for a long time and, and, you know, just, trying to do what's best for, for the music and for us and to just try and keep the whole project moving forward as a whole. And, uh, you know, and to that they say, uh, d- don't throw all your money out at once. As far as that
0: goes, you know, in terms of making this music and making this EP and then, you know, having people kind of tell you or give you advice on when, this should be released. Was this everything you thought it would be a making a record or is this there's way more involved behind the scenes or way more stuff that you maybe didn't think of?
3: There's there's definitely a lot of behind the scenes stuff that we're we're still learning about every day.
2: Yeah I've always think I mean you you get most of it like a good chunk of it you understand but there's always things that are going to come up where you don't quite understand and everything changes so fast you know Um, especially nowadays so it's just you got to kind of Tai chi and take it with a grain of salt. But yeah, you're always going to learn stuff doing this no matter what, I think. Forever. Well,
0: yeah. I mean, you're 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 in a band, and you know, the music you guys grew up with, those artists didn't have to think of algorithms. They didn't have to think of social (laughs) media platforms, they didn't have to think of all that stuff. And it's got to be frustrating for a band. And I've talked to many about this: is that you have dreams of making music and being on stage, playing guitar, singing a song you know, you're not a social media guru, right? You're not like a Twitter expert or whatever, but you have to become one or you have to find a team that is like that. And then that's another additional cost. You got to learn the algorithms that help you get your song in front of more people. It's, it's like this whole other side that years ago, people didn't have to deal with. It was more or less, you know, stapling a flyer on a telephone pole. You know, walking up and down the street and promoting your your show that you were going to play at the local venue, it had you know, and like we talked about, to kind of circle back with the technology aspect of it, there's a lot that's a beneficial to it, but there's a lot of extra stress involved too as well.
2: Absolutely, and what we've learned is, do not pick on the nerds in school. Be nice to them, <laughs> okay? You're going to need them. <laughs> it's very as true. Give him hugs, be friends, be nice. Did you owe me some hugs, Terry. I do. I make fun of him a lot. He's our wizard. So Tim is a very intelligent dude and he knows how to do all of that kind of stuff. And I'm more of a sit in the sidelines and root for him and drink a beer. You know what I mean? But he's, uh, he's... a. <laughs> well, it's, it. it's, 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 you know. It's the truth. <laughs> but it is. I mean,
0: it's helpful to have someone on, on in a band that kind of is familiar with yeah. that stuff and knows that stuff. But. I mean, you have bands that, you know, are, are not, and they're trying to figure this right. out on the fly. I, yeah, yeah. To, it, it's just, you know, and the algorithm changes every day or every week. And even the, the attention span of the listener is so short now. So you have to right. keep feeding the beast. You got to keep feeding that audience that, you know, you release a song on Friday by
2: Monday, they don't care anymore. Right. They're, they're on right. something else. It's really weird because it's like that in life. People in general do not have patience. I swear, like they no, they don't. It's everybody's just like wants instant results with everything. It's weird. Absolutely. How does it
0: affect you know you guys when you're writing music and you know determining when to put stuff out? I mean, I, I the bands more and more are putting out two three EPs a year. You know, they're putting out two three singles over a span of time, and then just to keep in front of an audience. Constantly, because you rely more on that touring dollar than you do on the sale of a of a of a stream or a record,
3: right? Yeah, no, I mean that's exactly the the kind of you know guidance and and path that we've been put on is is you know you don't you don't go record an album and put twelve songs on it and throw it out there. It just doesn't work because, like you said, the attention span of that listener—they're going to get thirty seconds into the first track, and that whole album is going to go on the shelf. Um, so, you know, that's, that's, it's more of a constant process for us now of always writing the next thing and always working on having something else ready to go in the, in the upcoming months.
0: I still wish people like the physical copy because it's still digital. Do, CDs yeah. are still digital. You know, it's still probably better sound quality because the compression rate is probably better on a CD than it is on a streaming service. You know, so it's, it's better in that regard. And plus, you know, I know cars, brand new cars don't have CD players in it. So that really does impact the sale of that stuff. But I had to buy a car two years ago and I was looking at the new cars and I asked the sales rep, I'm like, where's the CD player? Oh, they don't put them in there anymore. I'm like, well, what do you got on the lot that's got a CD player? Because I still listen to my CDs. So I ended up buying at the time a three-year-old car because it had a CD player in it because what the hell am I going to do with my music?
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. How, I miss how, the artwork. <laughs> yeah, the
0: artwork is so important. But how does yeah. that really, with you guys, who kind of grew up in an older generation, who is now making music for a new generation, how hard is it for you guys to adapt to that?
3: I mean, in, in one aspect, it's kind of neat that uh, the vinyl has has made a comeback, and we got to actually print vinyl on this latest release. Um But it kind of, you know, it's it's different in a lot of ways because now, you know, instead of having album art, you actually kind of need a piece of artwork to go with every single song, um, you know, for the online release and stuff. So there's more work involved and more thought into putting that together. Um, But then, you know, when it comes to the physical sales, I mean, we just did a three week tour and, and had no physical media with us. It was just it didn't it didn't seem like it was a good idea.
0: I always say for a band, what what I think would increase the sale of the physical copy is have tour only CDs in vinyl that you can only get at the show. They have like special editions and all that kind of stuff, because then it would make people. I I would go just to buy cool. the special no, edition, good, yeah. You know, like like you've got a CD that says you know a cover for only this three week tour, and then the next three week yeah. tour you just got a different cover or whatever. So it kind of makes it more attractive to buy, whether it's a vinyl or a CD. Cause I know I love the physical copy. And if I know of albums got five different covers, I'm going to buy probably all five of those different covers. Cause I'm so into that kind of stuff. And music, yeah. you know, physical copies of music has become sort of like a memorabilia, like a collector's item. So right. yeah, maybe not, you know, and then when you're done with the tour and you've got some stuff left over, you dump it on your website and and sell it on there, you know, but I know I would show up two hours early at a show. If I knew there were only ten CDs being sold or twenty CDs being sold at a show, so it kind of creates right. a buzz.
2: To really better get game. on that,
3: Tim. Uh, yeah. Store that. I like it. Store that. And, and and you know, see, so you're learning every day, <laughs> every day. Well, I mean, it's like the one show where we were at. I think we were in Philadelphia, and um, the the guy that works with the Alter bridge Management team was there. Um, and he kept like looking at me weird. And finally, uh, Chris, the their merch guy, walked over and this was on the Seven Dust Tour. And he's like, where'd you get that shirt? I was wearing an Alter Bridge shirt. And uh, I'm, I'm like, I'm pretty sure it was Spokane, Washington. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was at that moment that I realized that um, on that tour we did with them, they actually had a different shirt every night. So there was there was some significance in like some stars or some portion of the design that would tell them which show that shirt was. So even though the overall design of the shirt is kind of the same, it was unique to that particular show.
0: I think people now are more interested in the experience and then the uniqueness of that experience. And if they can have something to take from that unique experience, right. even they're even more apt to buy it. You know, yeah. if they, if it's just the same thing and you could get that anywhere, they may they people, some people may buy it, but if you got a, t-shirt like you said that's only sold at that show or if you got a cd that's only sold on a three-week run that you guys just did they know that that's not going to be around forever there's only a limited edition of that stuff they're going to buy it that's just how people think now
2: mm-hmm. for sure it makes sense
0: it's a competition it is you it's know, every- it's, it totally is you know and, and it's also <laughs> a great way to bring in revenue for a band because let's face it for new bands you're fighting for every dollar um you know because you're not making money off streams you're not making you know some some clubs will take a percentage of the merch you sell which i think is absolute bs it's nuts yeah (laughs) so you got to find creative ways to do it and um the uniqueness is where it's at i believe especially for newer bands and heck, legacy bands too like alterbridge yep you guys got anything coming up here soon any any more dates to share with your audience
3: Oh, the only thing happening right now is a music festival uh, here at home that uh a buddy of ours puts on. It's a uh, 4th of July weekend. We'll be out there on Sunday night, closing out the festival.
2: Yep. Smiling Acres. It's
3: actually where I'm standing right now. Stage is over there somewhere.
0: <laughs> nice. Would it um, After the festival, you guys are going to wait for the release then to do some dates and do some tour?
3: Yep, yep. Waiting for more tour ops to come along um and the release dates and and really right now we're we're focused on trying to get that next batch together.
2: Yeah, we're focused on writing right to now. Writing. There'll be more sh- shows probably in of summer, beginning of fall. Probably makes sense. Well Looking Terry. Tim. That.
0: Well, Terry, Tim, it's been a blast getting to know about more about you guys. I love the song Revolution. Looking Thank forward you. to more. Hopefully it's soon. And uh, yeah, you know, I'm in Chicago, so hopefully, you guys make it down here too, as well, from Michigan. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll buy a
2: beer sometime, It'll be fun. absolutely. Buy me too, <laughs> all right, too. And now you're getting crazy, man. <laughs> <laughs> we are just talking about musicians' salaries, now he wants two beers. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of the tab, I'll take care of the tab. <laughs> all right, well, I appreciate you having us, man. Thank you so much. yeah so thank you, I appreciate it. That's Terry and Tim from the band Deep Fall. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks,
0: the ultimate rock community podcast. Take care, everyone. Stay safe, stay healthy. Talk to you soon. Thanks.
1: I can see never know again.
3: About your auto and home insurance maybe you save some money but did you get the coverage you really need do you trust that company to be there when you need them if you're feeling unsure that's what you might call saver's remorse you can put an end to saver's remorse when you switch to amica auto and home insurance named one of america's best insurance companies by forbes in 2022 this is insurance you can feel confident about visit amica.com and discover amica today
0: Target has Laundry Day covered because they offer a great selection of concentrated Tide Pods to help with all your laundry needs. Tide Pods clean, freshen, and help rejuvenate your clothes with odor fighters and stain removers. Did you know Tide Pods clean better than the leading liquid bargain detergent? Tide Pods are powerful enough to make your whites white and your brights bright, even in cold water. Just toss in one Tide Pod for small loads, two for medium, three for large. It's that easy. For great value and convenient pickup options, get Tide Pods today at Target.